Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Well, we're going to get into the message today. Um, We have a three-week series here, and we're going to study four verses for the next three weeks. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. A famous passage of scripture uh, found in, in the Gospels of Jesus. As you'll notice a theme, the first series was in Matthew 6. And so I, I'm reading through the book of Matthew these days. And uh, I'm just thankful that we're just taking our time. And we're going to walk through these few verses for the next three weeks. And just really understand this powerful, powerful scripture where Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth. And you are the light of the world. And so um, I want to just take some time to focus on this. Uh, then we're going to do a, a series on spiritual warfare. I feel like God wanted me to do a series on Ephesians chapter 6, talking about the armor of God. Um, I want to do a series, which I've never done, on speaking in tongues. Come on, somebody, don't be afraid. You're okay. Don't run. Uh, I just want to do some teaching on that, and just to kind of help us understand what's biblical, what's weird, what's right, what's wrong. We're going to do a, an eight-week walk through the book of Colossians together. We're going to study the book of Colossians, and this, this series is called The Greatness of Jesus. So we're in for some good Bible teaching coming up, and so it's going to be great. And all through it all, it's going to help you in your life, help you know Jesus better, help you in your walk with God, and as we just simply, as we're just regular old folks trying to know Jesus, amen? And so um, I want to just get into this today. And what we're going to look at, we're going to look at this scripture. If you have a Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 5. If you've got your phone, it's obviously all the verses will be on the screen for you to look at if you just want to take notes and look at the screen. But when we read uh, these passages of scripture, which we'll read today, and we read this idea of salt and light, um, often we walk away, and I don't know about you, I've been to church for a long time, so those who have been at church for a while, those who are new to church, this will be maybe brand new to you or online, but uh, we often walk away with messages about salt and light, about what we must do as Christians. We often look at this topic and we, we feel, I don't know about you, but we walk away with a sense of guilt almost, like, oh my gosh, I don't share my faith enough, or oh my gosh, I need to share my faith more, and okay, yes, I know I need to do more, here's the E word, evangelism. I know I need to share my faith more. I know, I know there's people that need God, but, but I just haven't been doing it very much. And so I don't know about you, and maybe this is just my personality, but I walk away from these like kind of messages feeling a little bit like, okay, I guess I better share my faith. And I want you to know something today that are there thousands upon thousands of people in the city of Calgary that need Jesus Christ? Yes. Are there thousands upon thousands of people that need to hear the gospel of Christ that that Andrew shared today in his time of prayer? Yes, people need to know about Christ. People need to know Jesus. But I want you to know today, this series is not about convincing you to share the gospel. This series is not about convincing you to be bolder in your faith. You're like, well, this is taking a turn. (laughs) This series is not about what you should be doing, but rather it's about who you are and about your personal, passionate, life-giving, personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This series is not about what you're supposed to do. This series is about who you are. 
This series isn't about a to-do list of things that you need to go out and get some evangelistic tactic and, you know, set it up so that you can lure them into the gospel and trick them into the kingdom. No, like this is not about anything to do with about what you need to go out and do. This is about who you are in your personal walk with Jesus Christ. Listen, salt and light function in virtue of what they are, not what they do. Salt isn't salty because it goes out and be salty. Salt is salty because it's salt. Light doesn't light because it goes out and lights. Light is light because it's light. It's about who you are and your personal journey with Jesus and your walk with God. Sharing of your faith is simply an overflow of a passionate personal relationship with the living God. And we're going to look at these scriptures today. And I, 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 and I, for me... I had never seen what I'm going to teach you today in, in this scripture before. I'd always just assumed that it was just Jesus saying, okay, go be salt. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. And we need to understand that this series isn't about just evangelistic, you know, strategies. And it's not just about, the, it's about what, what is God doing in you? What does God want to do through you? Saltiness doesn't come from doing evangelism. Saltiness comes from having an encounter with the living God. Saltiness comes from experiencing Christ. Saltiness comes from having the power of the Spirit overwhelm you. Saltiness comes from being in the Word of God. Saltiness comes from being a person who follows after Jesus with all your life. It's an overflow. It is not something that we do. Because how many of you know, you hear a series like this, you'll spend about three weeks out there being aware of the lost people and sharing your faith. And then by three weeks in, you're back to the old way of doing things. You're a Christian? <laughs> huh? I didn't know you were a Christian. So this series is going to challenge you because we're talking about you and not what you're supposed to do. And often we look at these scriptures and we have religious thoughts. If I do this, 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 then God will be proud of me. I want you to know God is proud of you. He already loves you. He cares for you. He believes in you. He has a purpose for you. You're the apple of his eye. So doing evangelism doesn't make him love you any better. He already loves you completely. You know that Jira song, I can never be more loved than I am right now. So I want you to hear me today. You don't go evangelize and Jesus is like, well, I really love this guy because he gets more people saved. No, evangelism or sharing our faith and being in salt and light is literally and simply an overflow of your personal and daily walk with Jesus Christ. And so this week we're going to look at uh, the salt of the earth. Next week, we're going to look at light, uh, the light of the world. And the third week, my, my, our new elder, Andrew Ling. Hello, somebody. Elder Andrew. We don't call people that here. You're like, this is weird church. <laughs> no, he's like much younger than me. He's not an elder, but he's an old soul. Um, he's going to be bringing the word, talking about the practical. He, Jesus says, in the same way. And we're going to talk about how our mind goes to works when it's not about works. It's about just being led by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to bring that word in three weeks, and it's going to be fantastic. So let's get into our text today. We recognize that the, this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 5 is found uh, amongst uh, what, what theologians believe to be the greatest sermon ever written, the greatest sermon ever given by Jesus called the famous Beatitudes. And in the scripture, what happened was, is that Jesus was gathering together. He saw the crowds of people, as the scripture says, and he went up to a mountainside and he sat down. And I want you to notice his disciples came to him and look at this. He began to teach them. Who was he teaching? Disciples. 
There happened to be a crowd that was listening. There happened to be people that were there listening to what Jesus was teaching about the kingdom of God. But it says very clearly that Jesus sat down with his disciples and he began to teach them about what it looks like to be an active participant in the kingdom of God. He began to teach them about what life looks like when your life is fully surrendered to the living Jesus. He began to teach them what life looks like and the responses. If you look through Matthew 5 to 7, he talks about all sorts of things all throughout the scripture. But here he's talking to them and he uses this first word, blessed. And this word blessed here, when we hear that word, we obviously think it means happy. I'm sure many of you who are on Instagram have a bit of an idea of what Instagram happiness looks like. And you get on there and see all, you know, this perfect family with the perfect teeth and the perfect hair and the perfect car and the perfect dog and the perfect everything and the perfect sky and the perfect filters and the perfect, perfect, perfect. You're like, oh my gosh, I suck. And it's like, that's supposed to be perfect. No, they're just um, really good at Instagram. Like, they just have the right angles down. Don't worry. <laughs> you go home and you're like, oh God, you're on that Instagram. You look terrible. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we look at Instagram and we see this idea of blessed and we think, okay, this is what that looks like. But what Jesus, if you look at the Greek word blessed and dig deeper into the reality of what this word means, this word blessed here actually is this idea of being in an enviable state. Being in a, in a, a person who is existing in spiritual prosperity. Someone who is, the word attractive, not physically, but their life, admirable. Maybe you're attractive. I don't know. It's okay to be attractive, but, you know, whatever. Uh, you're, you're, you, people look at you and you're favored. You're sought after. You're seen by others, and they look at your life and think, my goodness, there's something different about their life. They're, en they're enviable. I look at them and think, man, I, I look at them and think, man, they just seem to, life just seems to, 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 they just respond well to life. Like I had the same circumstance they had and they responded with, with ease, with patience, with love and they were kinder than ever and I responded in the same situation and I just blew my top and I, I, they are enviable. They're in this place where they are in an enviable state and then he goes down and he begins to list and I'm not gonna read them, I'm just gonna reiterate them to you, the Beatitudes. He begins to define what these Beatitudes are in the scripture. He begins to tell us that the, 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 the people who are, are in an enviable state, a state that's to be admired, that when you look at them, you think, oh my gosh, wow, there, there's something different about them, that these are the people who recognize that they have a deep need for God. They're poor in spirit. They just, they just realize that like their life is nothing without God. And this type of person who is enviable and admirable is a person who's willing to get down on the level. When, the, when life is going great for them, they choose to mourn with those who are mourning around them. They match the, 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 the state of individuals around them, even though life is great. They come down to the state. Blessed are those who mourn. They say, hey, I know you're struggling. Let me get down into the dirt with you, even though my life is, is, is great. Let me get down in the dirt with you and mourn with you. These people are, are just mourn. They mourn with those who who mourn. They are people who take a humble position. They're meek. They refrain from taking a high position, even though in this situation, you're right, and you could fight your way out of it, and you could say this and say that. You choose a humble position, refraining from saying anything, knowing that at the end of the day, it benefits that person more than it will benefit me. This type of person who is enviable is a person who is actively seeking a personal relationship with God, hunger and thirsty. This person is blameless and clean from premeditated sin, not sin, premeditated sin, sin that have been thought through. This person is actively trying to rid sin from their life. They are pure in heart. The person who is keeping peace in relationships, not just keeping the peace, but making peace. 
It's a big difference between not wanting to cause problems in a relationship and making a problem for peace. Going after it, being confrontive, knowing that I'm going after you right now because I love you and I'm called to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. And lastly, we see that Jesus says, you're enviable if you get insulted or you get mocked or made fun of because of me and living for me. See, what Jesus is defining here is a person that is attractive, attractive and enviable and admirable and favorable with others, but none of the descriptions in this sermon have anything to do with what this person does. These descriptions in, this, in, this, in the Beatitudes, these are not things that we do as Christians. They represent who we are as Christians. Each of these things represent that when life comes at you, how do you respond to the heat of life? That when difficulty comes at you and hardship hits you, when there's a, a cancer diagnosis or a loss of a job or a marriage that's struggling or you facing difficulties with friendships, how do you respond as an individual in the kingdom of God? How you respond is not, oh, I'm going to go out and be meek. No, it just comes out of you. Why? Because you are in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. When the individual next to you who doesn't know God responds completely opposite and they look at you and say, how can they respond in this way. I don't understand why they're meek. Why are they being humble when they deserve all the right to point fingers at someone else? It's because they trust that God is my vindicator and God is my avenger and God will take care of me. That's not just something that I did. That came out of who I am. So we recognize that Jesus here is, is just teaching these people what it looks like to be enviable, admirable, live a life that people look at, that people say there's something different about you. That when tragedy and hardship and difficulty comes your way, you are responding differently. When mercy is required, you give mercy. You recognize that in this verse, he's trying to help us understand what it looks like to be an enviable, admirable person. Let me come to our text in this scripture. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill. Remember, this is in the light. Right after Jesus got to talk about who you are, not what you do. You are the salt. You don't do salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to every, everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your shine, light shine before others and that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We'll get to that in the third week. I'm talking about what that looks like. And we see that Jesus here says that you are the salt of the earth. Jesus chose to use this specific commodity, this, this, this chemical, this, this, uh, this mineral, this thing that comes from the earth. It's fascinating to me because if you've ever studied salt, you would be blown away at the depths of what Jesus was actually saying in this verse. Salt has is, is, is a, is in, been in use on an incredible level since 6,000 BC. It's, it's, its history reaches back to the ancients. The, the, the realities of what it, what it is and how they extract it from the earth 
And I combined a few of the processes here, but how would they extract salt? Generally, it would come from mostly from water, from Dead Sea and different places, obviously the ocean or the sea, Mediterranean Sea. They would pull it from the Dead Sea, and here this salt would be left um, to be evaporated by the heat of the sun. And then it would be uh, uh, scooped up and placed into a, uh, an environment where they would, they would put a concentrated salt on top of the salt so that it would burn off all the impurities, and the impurities would settle to the very bottom. So there was a purity process. So the sun's beating down. Now there's a concentrated salt and they would let the salt rest. And once the salt rested, then they would scoop it up and they would put it into machines. And as it went through these machines, it would, uh, it would have more heat on top of it, up to 90 degrees Celsius as it continued to purify it. And then it would rest. And then it would put it into a conveyor belt. And it would, uh, more recently in modern times, they would put it through a scale that had levels. And it would go through one, it would just crush it and just push down on it until it became very fine to be the salt that you use that's in your kitchen counter. And so we see that this, this picture of, of it being extracted from the things of the earth, extracted from the pit, extracted from this place. And it went through a process of purity and a process of change until it came to a place where it had a purpose and a function to bring life to those things around, to bring flavor, to be a preserver. There was a process. Do you see the biblical spiritual picture that Jesus was referring to, that you were pulled out of the dead sea, the dead life that you were in, and Jesus came and he pulled you out, and he began to process you, and he began to change you, and convict you, and speak to you in the word, and you're like, oh man, I can't think like that anymore. Man, I just used to talk like that, and live like that, and all little by little, he kind of crushes you a little bit, and he kind of pushes on you a little bit and he, he kind of says okay I want you to go down this journey and it doesn't work out like you thought it would work out and you say God where are you he says you're in the perfect will I, I needed you to go through that so I could teach you and train you and shape you and mold you and crush you so that you could be used for my purposes Hebrews 12 11, being punished or disciplined by God isn't enjoyable, enjoyable while it's happening it hurts but afterwards we can see the result a quiet growth in grace and in character, God wants to purify our lives so he can use us for his great purposes, not just so we can just go out and do religious things and be religious people. Well, I better, I better preach the gospel or else I'm not going to heaven. No, 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 we, 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 it's an overflow. It's, it's through the crushing process. And look what the scripture says in 2 Timothy 2. In a wealthy home, there are dishes made of gold and silver as well as some made from wood and clay. The expensive dishes are used for guests and the cheap ones are used in the kitchen or to put in the garbage. If you stay away from sin, you'll be like one of these dishes made of purest gold, the very best in the house, so that Christ himself can use you for his highest purposes. Ryan, what are the highest purposes for my life? I have news for you. Guess what your highest purpose is? Just to be you. Because when you're you, while you're following after God, and you're yielding to the crushing and the working and the purposes of God in your life, guess what happens? You just go live life and you're salt. You just go to work and you're salt. You don't go to work and think of five strategies on how to get your neighbor, neighbor in the next cubicle to come to church this Easter. No, you just are salt. 
Why? Well, I got crushed in my life, and there's things God's been working on. And, oh, yeah, you're, you're struggling with alcohol? Well, guess what? I struggle with alcohol, too. Man, well, how'd you get over it? Man, power of the God in my life. And Holy Spirit, I just, you know, I, God came and forgave me, and it washed me clean. Man, I struggle with this. And you begin to see that the crushing process of God in your life forces you to be the highest purpose. Well, right, I'm going to be an evangelist around the world. Well, maybe, but you just get to be you. You just get to be you. That's his highest purpose. And we see that this process that you just get to live and be, and it's interesting, the properties of salt. Now, you probably heard this over the years, but let me give you a little bit of a nuance to it here, that this process, the, the, the process of the crushing and the process of the heat and the process of the purification, the process, listen, of the heat, remember that, because it means something in the end, the process of the heat of life, the process of the heat of God is for a purpose in your life to make you who you are today not just to help you do great things. And so we see that because of that process, salt has natural components and properties. The first one is it's, it's considered divine. Ancient days, that salt was called white gold. It was considered divine. In ancient days, they would use salt as an offering to foreign gods. In fact, the Jewish, uh, the Israelites would use, were required to use salt in their sacrifices. If you didn't use salt, it wasn't accepted by God. Salt was used in such a way where it was considered divine and valuable. See, you and I are God's masterpiece. You and I are precious. You and I are apple of God's eye. You and I, the Bible says in 1 Peter, can share in the divine nature of God. That when we walk around, we're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. That we have the power of the living God within us. That makes you and I, the power of God in us, makes us living a divine life. And then when people look at you, they think, man, you are ordinary. You look ordinary. You sound ordinary. But there's something different about you. There's something unique about your life. You're, there's something divine about you. What is it? It's the power of the living God living inside of me. Come on, look at this. In Acts chapter 3, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. But they could see that they were just ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Man, these guys, they're just regular guys. But there's something unique about them. They're salt. They're divine. They're unique. They're special. This salt also has the property of healing. You know this, you get a cut, you go in the ocean, or you add salt to your wound, it burns like crazy. It heals wounds. It helps, it helps bring cuts together. It, it's an antiseptic. The same way you and I, that, that the, the, the season, I want you to hear me. I believe this is for someone here today. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants you to hear this today. Your pain is someone else's healing. Your journey, your season of hardship, the pressing of God in your life, the challenge you face, the loss of, of, of a child or the journey with a hard marriage or the, the, the lack of finances. You say, why am I going through this? It's because God wants you to be a salt and bring healing to others that when someone's going through something in their life, you say, I've been there. And I'm not perfect, but I want to tell you how I got to the other side. His name is Jesus, and he helped me through the journey, and I couldn't have done it without him. And I tried on my own, but it didn't work. And, and Jesus helped me. And what happens is, is God wants to allow these seasons of your life so that you can heal other people. And that's a biblical thought. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. What a wonderful God we have, amen? He's the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the source of every mercy and the one who so wonderfully comforts and strengthens us in our hardships and trials. And why does he do this? So that when others are troubled, 
needing our sympathy and needing our encouragement, we can pass on to them the same help and comfort that God has given. Look at this. You can be sure that the more that you and I undergo sufferings for Christ, the more he will shower us with his comfort and encouragement so that we can bring comfort and encouragement to someone else. And the more you experience the sufferings and the hardships of this world, God says, I'm going to pour out my love on you. I'm going to heal you and I'm going to make you new. And why does he do this? It's so that you can go and heal and make new someone else. So that you can be salt to those around you. So you can bring life to those around you. So that the story that you've lived, the journey that you've had, the hardship you've experienced, you don't have to be embarrassed about it. You don't have to be afraid of it. It is redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It's under the blood of, the, of Jesus Christ. It might still hurt. There might still be pain there. That's the realities of the world that we live in. You and I won't stop experiencing experiencing pain until we spend an eternity with our Savior, Jesus Christ. But until then, the pain reminds you that this is not just for you. This God is using this pain in your life so that you can be a salt to others who heals their life. The more you feel the heat, the more he gives you comfort, the more you can give it away. The more you feel the heat, the more he gives you comfort, the more you give it away. You are salt. You heal people's lives. You transform their hearts. The third one, it preserves, you know this. It preserves. They would, uh, it would, something that was going bad, they would add it to it so it wouldn't petrify. They actually add salt to bodies, to, to dead bodies, to keep it from decaying. And so it keeps it from, from dying. This is an easy one, a spiritual application, is, is that we preserve people's lives. That, that without us, if people, think about this for a minute. Without you and I being salt, being a preserver to those around us, the people that are around us won't be preserved. They will decay. Because when they die, they will spend an eternity without Christ. See, you and I will never decay because we're salt. And so when we die, we just keep on going. So recognize that everyone around you is being preserved by you, by your life, by your hardship, by your difficulty, by how you respond to the heat of life. That when you're merciful, when you shouldn't be merciful, when you're humble, when you didn't need to be humble, when, when you love God and pursue God, even when you have a loss in your life or difficulty you're facing, you look around and say, how can you serve God when all these things have happened to you? It's because I, have a, I know God. I have a personal relationship with God. And they think, oh my gosh, that's incredible. They look at your life and realize that you can bring preservation to their life. And lastly, look at the scripture here in 2 Corinthians. When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. All these new things are from God or brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God has given us the privilege of ur urging people everywhere to come into favor and be reconciled to him. For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were pleading here with you. Receive the love he offers you and be reconciled to God. Now, the crazy part about salt is that, as you know, it adds flavor. Now, I know our friend Justine doesn't eat a lot of salt, so I don't want to offend you, Justine, but it's a health condition. But man, you ever had a meal and there's no salt in it? You're like, oof. Salt adds flavor. See, as people of salt, we should be filled with more joy than anybody else. More patience than anybody else. We bring God flavors out of the world. We add flavor. Now, sometimes you add, what happens when you add too much salt? It's gross. <laughs> and sometimes we can be too salty. Sometimes we, we're so passionate for God and we 
want to cram this salt down their throat. <laughs> An example, my son's been praying for his friend Adam and wanting him to come to church and know Jesus, and we've been encouraging him to do that. And Adam came out of school one day and was with Ezra walking towards my wife, and he's walking, saying, hey, you should come to church with me, man. God's so awesome, and you should come to church, a youth group with me. It's be great, preaching the gospel to him, just doing his thing. Hey, Adam, can I get your phone number so we can get you to church? And then Steph was there. And Steph goes, yeah, can I get your phone number? Maybe your mom has a phone number. Why don't we exchange phone numbers? And I'll pick you up for church. And she just kind of like, kind of laid it on thick. While they're talking, Adam's going like this. And all of a sudden, Adam, Adam didn't say a word the whole time. And he goes, okay, I got to go. And he turns around and he walks away. <laughs> just make sure you're not too salty, amen? Okay. So here's the part I just wanted to get to really quickly. Look at this scripture here. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, this is a crazy verse because the, the sentence that Jesus said, salt doesn't lose its flavor. Pure, genuine salt never loses its components. Why would Jesus say something that never happens? That if you're genuine and you're salty, you actually never lose your saltiness. Now, what theologians believe and scholars believe, he says, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out. What Jesus was talking about here was a specific usage of salt. In the Jewish days, in, in the traditional houses, they would have their ovens outside the house. And they would take a, a stone uh, and build a stone kind of oven. And then they would put blocks of salt on the ground below it. And they put tile on top of the blocks. And what this salt would do, listen, here we go the heat from the oven would hit the salt. And what the salt would do is that the salt would have the capacity to respond well to the heat. And it would insulate the fire. It would insulate the oven. It would cause the oven to last longer and go farther. And the purpose of the salt would be to insulate the heat and it was, so it would continue for a long time. But what would happen is, is that the salt came to a point where it, could no, it was no longer responding well to the heat. It was no longer in the chemical reaction of that heat hitting that salt. It was no longer able to respond in the way it was supposed to respond. And so it lost its saltiness. And what they would do is they'd pick up the tile and they'd break up the salt and they'd throw it onto the road. And people like here in Calgary and during a snowy day would walk on top of it. Many of us in our lives. And the reason we don't share our faith anymore is because it's, life has impacted who you are. You were let down in life or hurt pastor hurt you or a church hurt you. Maybe you had a loss where you had a child that was lost or maybe a birth that didn't go through or maybe you've been wanting to get pregnant and you couldn't. Or maybe you look at life and you're disillusioned by all the things that are happening across the world and you say, little by little the, the, the heat of this life has chipped away. Where you used to be merciful, you're no longer merciful. Where you used to be humble, now you're exerting pride. Where you used to have a hunger for God, now it's windled away. And you've gone from a follower of Jesus who was salt to a follower of Jesus who is doing salty things. Life is chipped away at you. Life has broken you down. And life has hurt you. And so now all you're focused on is yourself. You're focused on keeping things going. You're focused on keeping your heart right. You're focused on not being wounded. And you're here today. And I even know in my heart, there's people who are here and you love Jesus and you love God, but you think, man, Ryan, I don't even have the capacity to share my faith. 
I don't even have the capacity to tell others about God. I'm just trying to get myself out of the pit. And this is what Jesus was talking about. Very specific illustration used to define that there are people who used to be able to experience the heat. If we go back, we recognize that the Beatitudes were how followers of Jesus respond in the kingdom of God to the heat that comes on us in this world. How do we respond to these things? And we go from being someone who has joy and peace when we should to someone who's disgruntled and frustrated and angry and we're just like everybody else. I have really good news for you today. Is that every single one of us here has gone through this. Every single one of us here has been in a place where we've been a little bit disengaged from our personal relationship with God, where we're just trying to get ourselves even an autopilot. We're like, man, I want to go further and I want to do these things for God, but there's stuff going on in my life. I want to tell you today, there is good news for you. Say, Ryan, if I'm in that place, say, what do I do? How do I get back to the place where I can respond to the heat of life well? How do I get back to the place where my life is salt, where I'm enviable, but people look at my life and say, man, I just I admire them and I admire them. How can I get back there? I love it. In Psalms chapter 51, verse 12, Lord, restore to me again the joy of my salvation. Make me willing to obey you. You say, Lord, I'm in this place where I just, I just don't know if I can... I can do these Christian things. Well, that's why we need to stop you. You just need to go back to your walk with Jesus. Go back to your personal relationship with him. Go back to the first place and restore the place of joy where you say, okay, God, it's not about me doing these Christian things and doing these church things. And it's not really about that because those things just come out of who I am. And look what the scripture says. What's going to happen in your life when you begin to recognize, man, I need to get a restoration of the joy of my salvation. Acts 3.19. Now change your mind and change your attitude. Repent towards God and turn to him so that he can cleanse away your sins. Look at this. And send you a wonderful times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. So God, I don't, I don't, forget about doing evangelism. Forget about doing Bible reading. Forget about doing prayer. Forget about doing these things and go back to the, the realities of your walk with God that he pulled you out of the Dead Sea and he, he pulled you out of the muck and the mire and he set your feet upon a rock and he gave you a firm place to stand and he washed you and he cleaned you and he changed you and he transformed you and he gave you patience again. And he gave you hope again. And, and humility again. And he began to love you again. And affirmation again. And the joy of your salvation began to be restored. And all of a sudden, times of refreshing came in. And the Holy Spirit began to come upon you. And so that you could receive the power to testify about God with great effect. See, we got to go back to the beginning. Back to the start. Whenever I close in this place today, I just, I know without a doubt, there's a lot of people in the room today that relate to this. You feel the pressure of doing church things, of being religious, doing religious things. And you're here today and you're just like, man, Ryan, I need to go back. I need you to pray today for me that I would experience the restoration of the joy of my salvation. Not so I can go do evangelism, but so, Lord, I can experience the blessings. I can experience your kingdom. I can experience a personal relationship with you. Come on, every eye closed. You're here today and you say, Ryan, that's me. I just need that today. I need you to pray for me. Would you just put your hand in the air real quick and put it right back down? I see you. 
Come on, hands all across the room. Come on, anybody else. Don't be afraid. I'm not going to call you forward or call you out. I just want to see who I'm praying for <laughs> all across the room. Yeah, that's awesome. Come on, six, seven, eight hands. Come on. That's it. Yeah. Father, right now we pray, Lord, that you would restore the joy of our salvation. Lord, life is hard. Life hits us sometimes. And Lord, the heat comes. And Lord, sometimes it's your discipline. And sometimes it's just life. My prayer today, God, would you restore the joy of our salvation? Bring us back, oh God. Bring us back to the place where we started. Bring us back to the place where we're in love with you. Bring us back to the place where it's not about religion and, and, and politics and red tape of church, God. But it's just about you, Lord. It's just about a relationship with you and an intimate walk with you, Lord. About your forgiveness and your love and your grace. My prayer would be today, God, for those in the room who don't know you, God, that they can start a personal relationship with you today. The God, that they can serve you and give their life to you today, Lord. For those watching online or in the room who have never given their life to Jesus, we pray today that they would turn, Lord, to you today and give their life to you in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Come on, if you're watching online or you're in the room today and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, you can text Jesus to this number. We've got a team of people who want to pray with you, get you a Bible, get you on your spiritual journey with God. Come on, we want to get back to a place where we are who Christ calls us to be. Amen. Why don't you stand your feet? We're just going to end with this song today as we just lift our hands for a few last seconds here and exalt the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.